0: All right. Uh, hey, guys. This is Alex Sturgeon with the. Uh, oh, there I go again saying, hey, guys. My sister hates that. Uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, this is Alex Sturgeon with the Hobbytown Hobbyplex. And this is a special edition of our Hobbyplex show uh, podcast. Um, we are here with
1: Luke Hughes, who is. Um, what are you? I am the vice president of the Omaha's RC Club, Omaha, for 2020. Vice president now. Yes, Were sir. Were you like something else last year? I believe I was a secretary last
0: year. Officially the secretary. Yes. Nice. So we're here to talk about uh, the Omaha Hawks and uh, RC flying and we might get into some drone ID stuff later. But first let's get to know Luke. Uh, Go ahead and tell us about yourself.
1: Well I am actually from originally Norfolk or Norfolk as some say. Yep. 80 miles up the road. Were you part
0: of that flying club up there? The North Falcons. North Falcons, yeah.
1: I was never a part officially, but I did get uh, a few lessons from them. That's actually how I got into the hobby a little bit. I actually moved back to Omaha. I was out on the West Coast for about uh, 10 to 12 years. College took me out there and such, and I just got back about uh, eight years ago, which uh, it seems like yesterday. What did you go to school for? I actually went to school for aviation.
0: Nice. Yeah. So So like real airplanes.
1: Real airplanes. Oh man, that's great. So, I uh, grew up in Norfolk, moved down to Omaha when I was about uh, 19, 20 years old. I had actually got into the hobby, like I said, um, because uh, of the North Falcons up there in Norfolk. I was hanging out at the airport with my mom's good friend's father, who was a crop duster at the airport. And their field happens to be right on the south end of the airport. Right. So, there's a lot of fields like that. A lot
0: of fields are intertwined with rural uh, airports.
1: Yes. They actually. Some of them take off like from the airport yeah. or from the taxiways. Yep. So, so my great uncle, which is my uh, mother's uncle, he actually was into RC and he was way back in the day when they would stick build these things, right? Right. Uh, out of balsa. Yeah. We don't do that much anymore. Hundreds of hours or a hundred hours and building these actual aircraft. He was a mortician and did all of his mortician work in his basement because he's out in the sand hills in Nebraska and, uh, so I would go down there and check out on one side of the basement would be the embalming bed and all of his mortician work. And the other side would be, uh, RC air airplanes. Did you ever see any dead bodies down there? Uh, well, i saw some, uh, the draped dude, that would freak <laughs> me out. So I was, uh, naturally like poised to look at the, uh, RC stuff versus the right. other side of the Yeah. That'd be a smart basement. idea. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I was living in Nor- Norfolk. I uh, was interested in it, but his house was five, six hours away. I uh, did want to get into it. He turned me on to the old uh, Great Plains PT-40. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar, the PT was perfect trainer, 40 mm-hmm. size uh, nitro motor. Yep. 14 years old I was. Yeah, uh, that's pre avastar days. Yes, yes. So, so I stick built that baby. He uh, he turned me onto that particular kit because it had uh, you know good training qu- characteristics or qualities and uh it took me probably i don't know i didn't keep track but i'd say over 100 hours as a 14 year old kid and a bunch of ca glue and uh cut fingers and stick stuck together fingers right
0: yeah that's kind of lost now you don't yeah. see that very much anymore i mean basically we're, we're gluing foam together but that's that's about it
1: yeah we can get into that as far yeah. as what's available out there uh in just a bit but to uh wrap up my intro uh, i learned how to fly these things. Uh, And I learned how to crash them real quick as well Mm because they didn't have technology like they do now, which we can Mm -hmm. talk about, but uh, flew them a little bit. And then once I got to be about 17, 18 years old, got into the full scale stuff, was really interested and went on to uh, get my private pilot's license and such and ended up ultimately going on to college for the, to make it somewhat of a career. So is
0: that, is that your
1: career now? It's actually not. Oh, there,
0: there you go. That's, that's a lot of us that go to college. All
1: (laughs) right. So a lot of time, a lot of money wrapped up into a college education and I'm doing something completely different. But you do know how to fly real planes. I do. I'm still current. And do you, do you get to fly that often? Uh, I fly as much as I really can or want to. Is it a thing like
0: you don't own your own plane, do you? I don't. So is it a thing where you have to like borrow a plane? How does that work?
1: Yeah, you essentially, it's kind of like renting a car. Okay, you, know? you get checked out in certain aircraft, and then you're ready to go. Oh, okay, so, I see.
0: At the two local
1: airports, uh, Millard and Council Bluffs, huh. uh, I'm checked out to fly about anything they've got. Well, that's pretty cool. Single, multi-engine, um, commercially rated, and have an instrument uh, certificate as well. So oh, that's really good. We go fly right through the clouds and yeah. head wherever we wanted to go.
0: Nice. So, yeah. Um. Okay. Let's uh. Let's get into Omaha's history. It's been there a really long time.
1: Really long time. Uh, It was actually a club that was established uh, in 1953, which, uh, if you do the math, that's 67 years. Mm -hmm. For the last 30 years or so, the actual flying field itself and the venue has been located up at the Standing Bear Lake on the south side.
0: It's the only south entrance to Standing Bear Lake. Correct. Yeah, 138th and and Fourth. And it basically forks out, and you take the road to the right, and then you'll go to a parking lot into the. To the east of that parking lot is Omaha's Flying Field.
1: Correct. And uh, I've only been up there actually about four years flying. Uh, and it's amazing. That's part of the parks, which we can talk about a little bit mm-hmm. later here. But the, there's a lot of people that walk their dogs and such up around there. And they say, I've never known this was here. Mm-hmm. I actually uh,
0: remember, had to be in the 80s sometime, that my parents took us to the Labor Day show, which has been going on for a really long time. And you know how we pull kids out to do the trainer portion. I was one of those kids. Nice. They pulled me out and they had me, they hooked me up with the, with, you know, they had the trainer cord and all that other stuff. And they had a plane flying in the air and the guy's like, all right, you're in control of it. And then I do remember pulling back on the stick and making it do a loop, whether or not that was actually me or not. I don't know, but I do remember it. It was cool because yes. I was like, I remember I was walking down. Uh, looking at all the cool planes and I ended up talking to somebody I was hanging on the fence there. And so, yeah, that was in the eighties. I mean that, and now it's 2020 and it really hasn't changed that much other than the modern um, facilities and stuff that we have.
1: Well, that's really so, neat. You say that cause that's really the, the little hook that a child that, you know, as you had got pulled out of that crowd to do gets them into like a hobby like this. Right. Yeah, I know you're into, you know, we're big time into the cars. Yeah.
0: And I wanted to fly planes Um, I used to, my two magazines were RC car action and model airplane. And I wanted a plane for a really long time, but my interest kind of swayed back towards car racing. Once I discovered you could actually race them. And then, you know, we didn't have any money. So it was like one or the other, you know, to make it work. But now that I'm older and I've been flying now for a couple of years, so it's nice to be be able to finally get out there uh, whenever I, whenever I want to, you know, and fly. Yeah. So
1: well, by sheer virtue of luck, I was out there at the airport and, you know, would see those guys flying. So I went down and they quickly took me and said, mm-hmm. hey, you know, you want to fly? And that was the early day buddy, buddy box systems. Yep. But um, I ended up, I, was, I too had a magazine the, that uh, featured the Ida Grove uh, right. I, Iowa show. Do yep. you remember that from back? I don't, so, but I know of it. I've been to Ida Grove. <laughs> so Byron Originals was a brand that built- uh, they originally started, I believe, uh, doing fuel. Okay? Yeah. The nitro fuels and stuff. And then they quickly went into creating their own. Yeah.
0: They had some airplanes. Models.
1: Yeah. Didn't so, they make like a GB or something like that? They made so a big much. Big sportster, like
0: some sort of sportster type plane. I can't remember the name. of It, though. it may have been the GB. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but I was flipping through the magazine and I was looking at that, uh, that venue that they put on, which was a huge, by all accounts, air show for model aircraft. And at the time, I didn't know any better, but yeah. um, it was one of those things where I'm like, I had to go Iowa. And my mom says, Oh, yeah, that's, you know, literally a couple hours away. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, let's go. So we made the trip over there. And after that, I was somewhat hooked and, and uh, to the best of my ability as a 14 year old, I, you know, went into the hobby and, and built my first plane. So we're at
0: Standing Bear Lake. Standing Bear Lake, it used to be out in the boonies. Because I remember, um, again, growing up, uh, I think I saw Haley's Comet at Standing Bear Lake when there weren't any homes there. So there was no light pollution. So you could actually see stuff like that. And now there's there'd be no chance uh, to get that done. So tell us how it works with the city of Omaha and the Omaha. like it's a-
1: It's a little it's partnership, right?
0: Like a partnership?
1: Yeah. So that dam uh, was built or established in about 1977, I believe. And the city of Omaha- actually leased the land around that lake from the Corps of Engineers on a 50-year lease. So 77, we're coming up on a 50-year lease here soon, right? The Omahawks, they had had a couple different flight locations. I know there was one like on 156th and Dodge because I actually reside right near where Mm -hmm. they used to fly, so I know of that one. Mm -hmm. But they purchased a piece of land just to the south of the lake there that the Corps did not own that butts up to Fort Street. So where our field is now on the very south end, that piece of land and probably like half of the runway or a quarter of that runway Hmm. was actually Omaha's purchased land. Cool. So they had that and they were actually flying off of that land. And then at some point um, they said, we need a little bit more. And the park wasn't developed yet or in use at that north end. So they went to the city as a club and said, hey, we're willing to work with you if we could have a little bit more of this land to work with. So they had given the land to the city of Omaha as an agreement, hey, if you let us essentially lease this land from you for the 50 years, we'll give you that land. Right. So uh, the rest is kind of history. It's basically a a no dollar lease. So in exchange for that land, which I believe they paid back in the eighties, you know, roughly 40,000 or something I wanna hear, I wanna say I heard, so. That's pretty good return. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And we asked the city uh, uh, last year if there was any intent on kicking us out or them not signing a new 50 year lease or whatever the next lease term is with the Corps. And they said, no, we're absolutely just going to keep the park there as is. So that's good.
0: So officially, Omahawks is a private club, even though you're on public land. So explain to us how that works. Cause I know I have to be a member of Omahawks and I got to get that paid up here very soon so I can actually fly this season. But so there's an AMA membership and an Omaha's membership, but explain to us how that all works.
1: So the easiest way to describe the relationship of the Omaha parks and the Omaha's, or at least what you need to be able to be a member or why we're an actual private club is because, uh, it's kind of like the eight golf courses that the city of Omaha parks and rec, uh, run as well. Right. You just can't go golf because it's a city park and you're a taxpayer and Mm -hmm. I want to go, you know, take a golf, you know, outing. So, uh, you're not really entitled to that round of golf. They still need to maintain that premises, mow the lawns, or mow the grass, and and maintain their mowers and such. Uh, so we're similar. We just ask for uh, you know, a membership fee. Our membership fees are 75 bucks a year, and mainly those dues uh, go towards the mowing. And yeah, a lot of it, a huge portion of it. Yep. Uh, the other just goes towards uh, general, you know, expenses. Possibly some prize money or prize prizes or something for our uh, club events, mm-hmm. or um, even uh, the hot dogs and sodas we have at our you know yep. little cookouts. We do have uh, you mentioned the AMA, which is the Academy of Model Aeronautics. Uh, we you've got to be a member of the Academy of Model Aeronautics in order to join our club, basically, right. and that's a protective layer. They actually protect you as a hobbyist uh, by you know ensuring you the liability if you were to lose control or have a flyaway and, of your aircraft. And the Omahawks field is actually an AMA sanctioned field, is it not? That is correct. Is that how that works? Uh-huh. Yeah. So when the club built that field, or at least laid out the runway and the safety fence that's up there and the parking lot, even down to that parking lot or that mm-hmm. uh, timber fence that's there, mm-hmm. those are all dimensions recommended by the AMA's safety yep. code. So very strict, we've went through those steps to actually Make that a, yeah. a flying field. So I'm, I have been a
0: member of ROAR, which is the, the uh, like racing or RC car side of uh, sanctioning organizations. And I've actually been competition director, which was on the executive committee. I was that for a couple of years. And ROAR is kind of the same way. Like if you put in for a national event, cause you got a bid on it, um, you don't, there's no money involved in the bid process, but you do have to show that you're, Facilities in your track meet the guidelines laid out by Roar, and if if you know, and we, we get for some events we get more than others for 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 bids, and it was very easy to go. Well, this one doesn't even fit. Like they don't even have like a a wall around the track, so that one's out. You right. Know? Or if they're the only ones that put in a bid, or or maybe one or two, and we really like the facility, we just you know we'd have to talk to them and be like, hey, kind of want to give you these nats, but you've got some work to do on your facility, otherwise. You know, the insurance won't cover it if something happens. Certainly. And that's that's what's really important about maintaining your specs, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And Has the surrounding growth around Standing Bear Lake really affected Hawksfield that much? I mean, uh, it sure is possible for a plane to just like lose signal, take off, and end up in Hillsboro,
1: which sure. is to
0: the south, right? But I mean- has there any been any ever any pushback or anything like that?
1: No, nope. uh, knock on wood. We've been in the clear. We've never had a you know a uh, substantial incident. Yeah, you know the advancement from the seventy two megahertz radio systems now to the two point four gigahertz is obviously a yeah. Huge I bet that would help a lot. Yeah, I mean the redundancy and the uh, the signal losses are you know real nil. Now right. we still have members that do fly seventy two megahertz, which is totally fine, and they are you know, relatively safer. Yeah. Because you don't have as many people potentially on those frequencies anymore. One thing I want to mention too, about the AMA, yeah. you know, besides just the, uh, fact that they're, they're sorry, we like to go off now. on
0: tangents on this show. So, <laughs> not a problem.
1: <laughs> but I just want to mention they're a great resource, obviously, maybe like your venue was for the RC cars, mm-hmm. right? They're real helpful with advice. You know, if your club's in need, we actually, uh, you know, are in touch with them quite a bit. You know, we're, you know, fairly substantial size club. So yeah. we, last year we applied for a couple grants that they, they offer. One was to help improve our field and the other was for an actual event that we received some money on. Well, that's good. So, yeah. And if you remember, you also get their, their uh, well, well he, done magazine. at Yeah. The yeah market, I was going to say, so
0: cool. with, with AMA, you get, you get a pretty substantial amount of insurance coverage, but also, Like Roar, for instance, and this isn't a knock on Roar because they just don't have the money for it, but Roar stopped doing a newsletter a long time ago. Whenever I renew my AMA membership, I'm like, the next month, I'm like, holy crap, there's a whole freaking magazine here and it's actually still thick. Like most magazines now are tiny little things because you can get most of your info on the the internet, but the AMA magazines still got a pretty substantial amount of information in it. They do articles that you would normally read in like model, model air or something like that, but then they also have columns by all of the, their committee members, you know, president and vice president and stuff. And then they have they actually cover their events from uh, they have uh, each division like, like you know, it's separated into so many parts of the countries and stuff. And it seems like they have a real active people actually do stuff. Like they actually follow through and, and do write-ups on their events and, and, you know, talk about their members and stuff like that. We're-
1: yeah, absolutely. They actually uh, we contacted them to see if we could get someone to do a write-up on our Labor Day air show, which is our largest yeah. show. They said, "Sure, if you guys want to help us write it," which was interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's. A, I think it's a lot of the clubs actually participating in the writing, and they probably edit it down, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But that magazine is really neat, isn't it? I mean, you yeah, know, it's 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 substantial. When you sign up for the AMA, there's actually an option to choose the e publication versus the hard. I actually enjoy getting that in the mail, right? It pops up. I
0: I do. It's weird. Like so much of our stuff, our lives are online now, but to get that magazine and, you know, I'll get it and it'll just be sitting on my kitchen counter and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And then I'll be able to sit down and read it when I'm bored or, or whatever. But it's kind of like all the other magazines, like car action and stuff. I still have a huge collection of RC car magazines. I cannot bring myself to throw them away. And so I ended up with this big stack of AMA magazines in my bookshelf in my office and sure, I'm sure that'll continue because I cannot bring myself to throw any of those away.
1: Well, when you want to get rid of them, we'll yeah, take them, right? Yeah, because we actually put a sticker on them for our club and put them in the uh doctor's offices, the oh, veterinarians. That makes, yeah,
0: that's a good idea.
1: Yeah, anywhere you're that's going, where really there's a slight waiting room or something. Huh. Yeah, throw it in there that's and a great idea. It advertises a little bit for our club, and people really enjoy looking through those. Yeah, so. I mentioned our our. Club dues. Yeah. So yeah, go, keep going. 75 for the AMA, 75 for Omahawks. And I want to mention that uh, if you're a child that's under 18, right? Or mm-hmm. you know, youth, we encourage you to come join the club. It's uh, the AMA up until your 19th birthday, I want to say, is free. You just sign up online as if you were going to sign up as an adult, but rather than taking payment, they basically just log your your birthday right, and they send you an actual card and and the whole thing. So you're covered if you're under 18. Wow. Uh, Hawks, you come to us and want to join, it's $10 uh, a year up until you're 19. Right. So you may even get a sponsorship, you know, if you talk to me and want to write a paragraph on why and, you want to join the Omahawks.
0: And this it's, uh, Thursdays are still free too, right? Yeah. So Thursday trainer nights usually begins when it starts to get warm out. And I'm sure that's on here somewhere, but I mean, just, it kind of ties into this. If you're brand new, if you want to fly, if you, if you've thought about it, come to the Hobbyplex and, and perused our, our, uh, selection and everything, they have planes ready to go out there on Thursday nights and they'll take you up for free.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll uh, take you up. I want to say as much as needed to get you interested, we'll cut you off at some point Yeah, to go get a airplane and come back up.
0: Which has happened. I mean, actually I've, I've noticed a substantial pickup over the last at least year and a half or so, maybe even two years of people that have come in and said, Hey, we were out at Omaha's. Um, We were sent here to get a plane and then they buy an apprentice and then they're back out there on Thursdays getting help, getting it set up. And then going through the training process so that they be- they can become a member. Yeah. And that's how it's supposed to be.
1: Absolutely. And we've, we've recommended you guys uh, through and through and you guys have in Kip, who's a member of our club. Yeah. On staff. Yeah. It
0: definitely helps to have an airplane person on staff. Yeah. Like before we hired Kip, I had told our owner, I said, look, I'm, I'm more than willing to, to go out there and, and, and participate in the, in the training program and be able to become a member so I can go out there and fly. So I can just, we can have a presence and we ended up talking um, to horizon hobby. They kind of hooked us up with a plane and I got a controller, a DX six from spectrum. And all I had to do was wear my t-shirt out there. And that's kind of how I got started in flying. I could, I could always kind of fly, but never like fly, fly. And so, um, but it's really good to have Kip there because he's way more knowledgeable than I am. And uh, he owns way more planes than I do. And uh, he's, 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 probably the best person in, I've worked there for 16 years. He's definitely the best uh, we've ever had to just, to just guide people into the hobby directly without, without any bias. Kip's really going to have a big head when he listens. To I know this. he is. I know, but it's true though. It's true. <laughs> He's helped us become a really good airplane store.
1: Well, one good thing is he really knows your product. That's and true. he knows what our hobby likes as far as starter, intermediate and advanced aircraft. Yeah. And, really the most important maybe that I've found is he knows what replacement parts to keep in stock Yep. <laughs> that yeah, exactly. uh, may be necessary. And before
0: him we had Casey and it was great having Casey there and you could see an uptick in airplanes when, when uh, Casey Vaughnett was, was working for us too. And then, um, you know, he got a real job and bailed on us. So not bailed on us, but you know what I mean? Like he got a real job. So then we were kind of without an airplane guy for a little while and, and now we got another really good airplane guy and, and it's, things are going really well again. So
1: Oh, yeah. And I hope you understand that's why your car business is so huge, just because you've been there forever. Well, yeah. It has a bit to do with it. (laughs) It is. I've heard. I know.
0: So I'm looking on this sheet here, and this is some interesting stuff. You've got notable members,
1: notable members written down. Yeah. Some that really stick out. I Um, know all these
0: guys, too. That's what's cool about it.
1: They're still all members of the club, obviously. Number one, or actually member number six, rather, is Fred Wilkie. He's a retired woodshop teacher. Great guy. I mean, knows the hobby in and out, mm-hmm. but member number six. Okay. Why don't you keep that number in mind? Yeah, six. six. Uh, Skip Brown, number eight. Bud Mitchell, number 12. Ron Picanha, number 17. And uh, maybe arguably most important, Kevin Hyde, number 25, who's been our treasurer. I think he's been the entire time he's been with the club. Yeah. I don't know. We just keep voting him. And in. Kevin's
0: worked on my bicycle.
1: Yes. That's so, his full-time job. Yeah. So now then those numbers, right? Eight to 25. And I'm guessing number one or two, there's a few that have passed, right? right. But uh, I just joined about four years ago or so, and my number is 1325, so 1,325. If I had my wallet, I'd get out my Omaha's card and say what I was,
0: but I am i know I'm up there too. Yeah. I'm like 13 something, something.
1: Now we do have a guy, Paul Edmonds. He's number 430. We mentioned Byron Originals. He worked for them up there at the air show for quite a few years. He and his wife, Cindy, actually got married on the air show grounds. Apparently, she drove the tanks in the air show. He flew the planes. I mean, they're super into the hobby. His Omaha member is number 430, but just to give you an idea, uh, I looked him up uh, on our website. His AMA or Academy of Model Aeronautics number is 922. I looked, and mine is like a 1,137,000 something. That's crazy. So he's been in the hobby a long huh. time. Uh, super neat guys. Uh, we have some, you know, females that fly up there too, including my daughter. Yeah, it's not just twelve. Dudes. There's a lot. of, There's some women up there that fly. We totally encourage it. Uh, uh, my daughter's out kids, there. Kids, lots of kids. Oh yeah, my kids. Uh, both my daughter and my son. I know my son Emerson's up there. My son
0: Emerson. I, I he was like, Dad, when we had our apprentice, I'm actually going to get a timber this year to replace my my apprentice because I I I sold my apprentice actually to you right for for uh, for trainer night, and then I'm like, oh man, I miss having a high wing like trainer, slow plane. So I'm going to get another one this spring.
1: Well, I'll help you out with that. Probably. Yeah.
0: But he, uh, it was crazy because uh, he had never really flown before. And he took my apprentice. and I told him, I said, dude, this is really easy. I'm going to put on full safe mode for you. Put on full safe mode. I had my trainer link hooked up. Uh, it was, a, it's a DX6 and a DXE. So you don't need a cord. You just got to hold the button down. So after like three minutes, I'm like, dude, I'm just going to go sit down. So I sat down on the benches, still holding the button. And just watched him fly for ten minutes, and then he's like, "Dad, can I try and land it?" I'm like, "Whatever, go for it." And after about four attempts of going around, he landed it. Absolutely. So, and that's that's my antidote when I'm helping people to store. I'm like, my eleven year old kid landed this plane the first time he ever flew it. So I mean, you know, he's really good at RC cars, but sometimes that doesn't transfer to planes very well. So I know that it's a, it, these trainers that we have now are
1: just just fantastic for that sort of thing yeah i'm not gonna one-up you but i'm gonna one-up you yeah go for it you can do whatever you want because my uh son he was six mm. and he was vaguely interested but you know by yeah. sure virtue of me strong iron him strong arming, get out him into there the right now. yeah uh over a winter i got the real flight flight sim yep okay real flight i think it was six or seven yeah. at the time but you know it flies almost to the t yeah like They're super aircraft. good now So I tell people it's, it's really good, especially for the orientation, you know, you're flying in one direction and once you come back towards you, it's opposite, right? So it's just that muscle memory and not being able to think or not having to think about it. Yep. And particularly the landings and approaches, there's one slight uh, flaw with that where you can't see the runway. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, I tell people just to go through the motions and then, you know, they eventually get it. But my son six learned and I forced him to keep it on the non first person view because all the kids love that. But, um. he ended up uh, flying that sim, you know, probably 10 times over the winter. And then we took him out with The Apprentice and I had him on Buddy Box. And I'd say after three or four flights at age six, yeah. he was landing the plane. Yeah. The stuff, we're super lucky to have <clears throat> the stuff we have now. I mean, this is,
0: I'm, I'm looking in here and it's, we're kind of getting towards there. But before, if with only Balsa Wood airplanes, let's see, when it was 2004? I was hard in 2004, I made an attempt- to learn how to fly back in like 2005 and 2006. And there was the foam stuff wasn't even close to being good back then period. It was kind of that weird plasticky foam stuff. I crashed an Avastar okay. trainer and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Because devastated. I was devastated. Sure. Because I felt so bad because I wiped out a trainer plane that wasn't mine first off, but also it just, it just didn't, it didn't sync well with me, you right. know? And with this new stuff that we have, uh, specifically, I mean, basically the smart technology, the the safe that we have that's built into like an like most of our planes actually now, I should say, you can get a carbon cubs carbon is it a carbon that yellow one? Is it the carbon cub? yes, s plus I think is what it's yeah, called safe plus. yeah, so that's a good one to start off. a timber is really good. and uh, as I've already said, the apprentice, those all have this safe system built in and and it basically what it does, it's got three levels, full safe. It doesn't have as much throw. There's basically no way that you can flip the plane over because it limits your ailerons. Correct. And it kind of keeps the plane in a constant up position. Yes. So you can't really nosedive it either. That's that's correct. And those are kind of the two big things with beginners that can kill an urge to go fly, basically, is if you pile drive your airplane into the ground by putting forward on the stick instead of pulling back on the stick. You know, I've done that. Actually, I had a T twenty eight, I did that. I was trying to practice flying upside down. Right. And so I was inverted. <laughs> and so I should have done this when I did that. And it went this way. And I was like, oh crap. Bam. Right into the right into the uh the east grass, grassy
1: knoll there at Omaha's.
0: Yes. T twenty eight, gone. It I was,
1: demonstrate that maneuver every year at the air show if yeah, you haven't
0: noticed. It was foam, but man, it was gone. But uh and then and then you can put it on intermediate, so it gives you a little bit more throw and a little bit more kick, and then you can turn it off. Correct. And that specific program set up for these these beginner planes now makes it so that just an average person off the street can really come in and be successful.
1: Yes. And one key element to that, you know, what I usually recommend is the simulator because mm-hmm. it's super, you know, good for the money. Yep. And then, yes, making sure you get a proper aircraft with like the safe system. Yep. And get help from yes. us. Yep. And we'll talk a little bit more in a bit about our Thursday night training nights, but uh, we're welcome. You know, we love to help you. That's one of my favorite things. I have some fun planes. I like to fly myself, but I'd much rather have a new person come up and actually learn.
0: And it's really cool now too, because the buddy box systems used to have this wire and it was kind of cumbersome. You had to be kind of standing right next to one another almost sometimes, no matter what. And now at least with the spectrum stuff, I don't know how Futaba and those guys work still.
1: I'm a spectrum guy myself, but I assume they've got the same technology. Yeah. You're close, right?
0: I think so. But basically, if you have a spectrum radio like I've got, I've got two. I've got a DXE and a DX6. You can bind your trainer to the same plane as your DX6, and so that's how you can kind of take over. And so, like like I was saying earlier with my kid, he had my main radio, my DX6, and then I had the DXE off to the side, and uh, or no,
1: it's the opposite. Well, it's the opposite. What you do is you bind one yeah. of the uh, transmitters to the receiver, right? And then that re- or transmitter actually allows you to pass through with the other one, right? Yeah, that's so how that works. Yeah, uh, it's the wireless trainer feature. If you Google it or want to look it yeah. up on YouTube, Spectrum's wireless trainer. Um, it's available DX six and up. Yes, and there's some really interesting features in there that you may not. Sounds like you don't even know. I don't even know. I I just know that uh, I did have to. I did
0: have to actually read the instructions though because. The trainer box, for whatever reason, it killed the power at first. Sure. And, and I was like, well, this got to be a button or something like that. So I had to go back and actually read the instructions, which I, I never do anyways. <laughs> and uh, I flipped the switch and I'm like,
1: oh, crap. It was just a switch. They're, it was
0: just one of the switches. That's all it was.
1: They're really finicky, uh, which is kind of a downfall. Yeah. But um, once you know or you're yeah. trained yeah, on exactly. how to do it, it's very easy and one of the best features that I've found and I'm, I use all the time is within that wireless trainer feature, you can actually do a manual override. So if your kid's flying and you don't act, actually, first of all, you don't have to push down the button the whole time. Mm. You can assign it to a different switch. Oh. It's a toggle. Oh, okay. So picture this, your kid's flying. Uh, he's making a mistake. All you got to do is do what you do naturally and actually manipulate the controls to get yep. the plane back. And then to give it back to your kid, you just toggle the switch yep. one way and back. And then it hands it back to him essentially. And you got you do, the only downfall is you got to be careful. You don't bump your, right. you know, your control. Because as soon as you bump it. Then you have control of it. Then you'll have control. And you may not know that.
0: Yeah. So to be, to, to be real honest with the audience, I've actually done that a few times with, with some kids I was training <laughs> where I was just, because they're so like, I, this, one, this one kid on a Thursday night was like three years old. Or something like that. And I'm like, all right, we'll take you up. And I took him up. And it was pretty apparent right from the get go that he couldn't even see the plane. Right. And so I just sort of was like, well, I'm just
1: gonna Well, that's when you immediately establish blame on them. Yeah. <laughs> and let them know that. Yep.
0: For our audience who might not be familiar with, with um RC planes in general, a lot of people that come into the store assume that everything's nitro powered.
1: Right. And it's not. Definitely not. Not anymore. No. So the short answer is, you ready for my short answer? Yeah, go for it. Any fixed-wing powered or non-powered gliders, single or multi-engine propellered planes, ducted fan airplanes, helicopters, gyrocopters, multi-rotor, quadcopters, pretty much anything, and the stuff that flies off the water. How's that for a short answer?
0: I love your short answer. How about this? Has um, Have any pitchforks been brought out when somebody brings out a quadcopter?
1: Eh, close. <laughs> I would say <take> close. <laughs> <laughs> so- uh, Yes, the drones. Ah, the airplane, ah. airplane joke. Ah, ah, the drones. We'll discuss that a little bit later. Yeah, How we'll talk about out? that later. This hobby's been around forever. The obviously, the fixed wing powered aircraft are the most popular, and there has been massive inv- advancement in the electric stuff now. Um, I particularly started on the nitro aircraft because that was really all that was available back, right? You know, twenty five years ago. Uh, however, the electrics are super nice, as you know, putting them in a car.
0: Well, and it's just like anything else. Uh, we're benefiting from the, the newest technology out there when it comes to batteries. So lithium polymer batteries can provide the the power in a, in a more efficient way than ever before. Uh, if you wanted to do electric, even what are we, 2020. So there used to be an electric, it was called an electrostar. I think it was an electric version of an Avastar. They used a nickel metal hydride battery. So it was heavy. Was it,
1: maybe, was it nickel, nickel metal or even NICAD?
0: I'm pretty sure it was NICAD or nickel metal. I'm pretty sure it was nickel metal. Gotcha. Though, because they were basically eight cell versions of the batteries that we use on the car side. Yeah. And the batteries were blue. So I'm pretty sure they were nickel metal. But, but, anyways, they're Prob- super heavy.
1: And probably like three to five minutes of flight
0: time. Yeah. And not very efficient. And those batteries get super hot, even with, even with like a, the cheapest RC car load. So I can only imagine what an airplane motor would do to that, trying to pull that thing around. Oh, yeah. So we're just, we're, we're benefiting from lithium polymer batteries and and brushless motors. Brushless motors, super efficient. Um, you can, uh, on the car side of things, you can, you can gear them way higher than you could with any brushed motor because there's no mechanically wearing parts. Well, now you can, you can put in, uh, you don't have to have this massive gigantic motor on the front of your airplane anymore because they're so efficient. You can have a more balanced aircraft and a more efficient aircraft. And that's why electric stuff's just kind of taken over.
1: Well, you've got the electric and then you also got the foam, like you mentioned. Right. And so that apprentice that many listeners may know is, you know, you can fly that apprentice on a 2300 milliamp hour three cell for roughly 12 to 15 minutes. You know, if you manage the throttle, I mean, if you got a newbie and you tell them half throttle or less, um, unless you're climbing, uh, you can fly that thing, you know, essentially all day, we say. Yeah, you could. Um, it's great.
0: Well, and it also acts like a big glider. So if you get it in the right air current, you can kind of just sort of stay up there. You don't really have to do much.
1: Yeah. And then on the other side, you got your uh, electric ducted fans, mm-hmm. which use twice that battery size Yes. in a six cell. And you can go about three, three and a half minutes. And they still get really hot. They're really hot, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's super fun.
0: So you have here uh, recommendations to get started in hobby. We've kind of already covered that, but... This is where we can kind of talk about Thursdays a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, uh, the apprentice, the other the other thing you guys carry up there at Hobbyplex is the flight test. Flight test stuff's great. And, you know, that stuff is amazing. Uh, their YouTube channel. And
0: and that's also where you're kind of back in the building stuff. It is. Which is nice.
1: And I honestly, my boy and I, we just built our first one about a month ago. And it was relatively, it's really easy. Mm-hmm. There's no instruction booklet, as you may have yeah. Seen, uh, but you just follow the YouTube video. Yep, I think the tiny trainer, which we started with, it was oh, an bought that. hour and 23 minutes worth of yeah, build time. Um, and really all in, you know, it's it's a hundred bucks plus a receiver and a battery, right? And uh, it flies really amazing compared to what I had anticipated. Mm-hmm. So, uh, good stuff there. And like I said, the apprentice
0: uh has some, some not competition, but it's got other planes. Uh, the timber is a good one, I made into timber. For a guy like two years ago, and I was like, "Dude, this is even better than my apprentice." I thought because you can take off in like two feet.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the the timber's great. Have you flown the the small micro? Not timber? yet. Not yet. I plan to that though. that th- that plane, and and we've removed the gear since because we've we've landed it so many right. times. Yeah. But if you remove that gear, it's so light and it's like a little glider. Mm-hmm. It's really
0: neat. And then yeah, the flight test stuff. Uh, we started carrying flight test when um, it became available through a main. Uh, A-Main distribution. So okay. when Hobbytown and A-Main kind of came together with our e-commerce stuff, it opened up a whole new avenue for us to be able to get different products that we'd never really gotten a chance to get before. And Flight Test was one of them. We started out with like three planes and it became very apparent that that was definitely not gonna be enough. Yeah. So now we have like 50 planes.
1: It's super cool stuff. Yeah. We have a young member and his father and he's built like four or five of them so far. And uh, it's just a, it's a unique product. It's a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys keeping the stuff in stock there that is necessary, like right. the foam board and stuff. The foam board and then the completer packs. The power pack, Make it really easy. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's really great. And we're actually, as Omahawks, so we're doing a little test here in March, but we're starting somewhat of like a build night to trying to bring back oh, cool. those builds versus just going out and flying all, almost ready to fly. Uh, well, we, we, got the, to talk. we got the space for it. Well, let's, yeah. let's talk. We have a venue set up for March, but we want to do another in fall Yeah, and possibly like a fall winter and then a spring again. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Consider that. There done. you go. Yeah. yeah. Right. Can I talk about the field renovation? Absolutely.
0: All Cause right. that's, that's pretty important stuff that we got there.
1: Well, you asked earlier about, you know, the actual venue and issues with the trees or something like that. In 2018, uh, there was a lot of somewhat overgrown trees. They'd been there for 30 years mm-hmm. and particularly on the East side of our flying field, there were some, you know, big trees that were just plane catchers. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Casey earlier, he was president, I believe at that time. And he kind of uh, spearheaded the yep. f- removal of all those trees. And I was actually right after I got here or became a member. Yeah. Uh, I was involved with going out there and helping cut down some of the stumps, but uh, that summer they, they, Massacred those trees out there, I guess. And uh, it was a huge undertaking.
0: Yeah, there's Um, a lot. When you say plane catchers, it's pretty funny. Uh, Every once in a while, somebody walking through the woods will find a plane and bring it into the Plex.
1: (laughs) Well, particularly in the fall after the leaves start falling, stuff starts showing up. Yeah, it
0: hasn't (laughs) happened. It hasn't happened in the last year and a half or so, but the last one that was brought in was a Tower Hobbies trainer. And it looked really old and it was nitro. So it was old. Yeah. Been there a while. Not much we can do with it. The engine was like locked up and all that other stuff.
1: Well, in 2019, so last year, uh, those listeners that don't know, we have a 40 foot wide by 500 foot long asphalt runway.
0: Right. An actual paved runway.
1: It was in pretty rough shape. And yeah. We've got a 500 foot grass runway parallel, right? Adjacent mm-hmm. to it. And we keep that up enough uh, and short enough where you can land on grass as well. Mm-hmm. And then on each end, opposite end, the uh, north and south, we've actually got approximately 500 feet of overrun there. So there's almost 1,500 feet of landing space. And yep. I always joke, I say, I could bring an actual yeah. Cessna in there well, I bet. and land it. Taking off might be tricky. Yeah. But- uh, In an emergency though. Uh,
0: yeah. You yeah. could you could land at Omaha if you really wanted to.
1: I think there's, I've had a few buddies that I fly with that have always asked like, hey, has anybody ever landed there? <laughs> we've had some paragliders, I guess, that yes. have landed there and- Able won
0: the. Um, yeah, Able ones come in uh, most of the time. I think last year it was down. Yes, so they brought they in crashed a, it. A,
1: a, the mercy aircraft. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That. So last year we we actually repaved the runway. It was in rough shape, and we considered taking it down a couple inches, and you know grinding it down and then right. resurfacing. But uh, the city actually helped us out tremendously with that venture. And they come up there and ground it down for us. And they realized it was in such rough shape because of the cracks. Mm-hmm. Stuff had gotten all the way down and basically busted up the underside. So they took it all the way down the five inches and then brought it back up with a brand new layer. So if you haven't been up there or you're interested in flying, I mean, it is one of the best fields in uh, you know the Midwest. Yeah. It's really important to have
0: some sort of asphalt or, or concrete runway. It's our biggest asset. I always say yeah. to the club,
1: it's a really neat area up there at the lake and beautiful during the you know spring and summer. But particularly, that's that's why a lot of us are. Up and it's there. rare. Yeah, it's rare. You don't see that a lot at a
0: lot of uh, different strips. There's one near. It's in between Chelsea and Belle Plaine, Iowa. My my wife is from Chelsea, Iowa. It's a town of like 200 people. There's a flying field right down the street, and I've always wanted to fly there or at least talk to somebody who who knows how to fly there, but it's just grass. Hmm. They just mow that thing down like a, like a golf course.
1: There's some well-maintained grass, but that's a lot of work. So particularly this asphalt runway is, is really amazing. You go out onto it, actually walk out onto it and the sheer size of it's pretty, you know, amazing. (laughs) So plenty of place to land. If you can't hit it, we'll help you. Uh, And then this year, 2020, we're just doing a few other things. We, we, uh, Replaced our little run-up tables out there. Made them look fresh and new. Um, Repainted the flagpole and the, you know, windsock. Ordered a new windsock with our logo on it. Nice. Yeah, put up a little kiosk, you know, with like some information posted up on it. And uh, this year we got two main projects and we're going to wrap it up for a few years. And that's, uh, we're doing like a little multi-use shed. Uh, We've had a porta potty up there for years. Um, We're going to put like a little, you know, 10 by seven or seven by ten little uh, shed that's gonna actually house somewhat of a porta potty unit in it mm. and it'll be lockable so the club can uh you know access it but we don't have any vandalism and stuff like we've had down at the other little porta potty unit right and the other major project is that the Boy Scouts a local Boy Scout uh, that's a member of our club uh, he's uh, involved in gonna do an Eagle Scout project if you're familiar with that uh, by his 18th birthday he's got to you know do a decent project. And, and he came to us and said, what would you guys like me to do? Or what can I do? And he, we, you know, came together and he proposed, he puts a little extension onto our, uh, little pavilion building up there with the covered roof. Well, it's going to be like a little extension of that deck out on the North side. Oh, so nice! be a nice little extra spot to sit, you yeah. know, with like some, uh, some seating. So, nice. yeah. Well,
0: we better get to the elephant in the room before we run out of time. So, uh, the remote ID, the proposed uh, FAA regulations actually ends tonight at midnight for the public comment section. Yeah. But why don't you um, just kind of discuss what's going on?
1: Well, as a broad overview, the FAA proposed that they come up with some rules for flying quote unquote drones. Mm-hmm. The main driver is it because uh, they're, increase in drone sales or quadcopter sales. These nice DJIs. I own a DJI that's, you know, takes 4K pictures. It's amazing. You guys have sold some smaller units. Um, But the problem is uh, the drones are classified as any controlled aircraft that's, that weighs more than a half a pound or 0.55 pounds. Yep. So that all of a sudden took all of our aircraft we've been flying since the seventies and eighties and nineties and today into that classification. Right. So the hobby community is kind of up in arms right now and really worried about what's going to happen. Most of it, most everybody's, you know, known about Amazon trying to deliver, or wanting to deliver these packages or UPS or Google or whatever. Uh, there's massive commercial uses being developed right now or are kind of off to the sidelines waiting for, An answer on what is the actual rule. Yeah. I actually have uh, my FAA's Part 107 classification licensing. So I can fly a drone for commercial use. Mm. So in the general aviation world, I cannot fly you and your family to Chicago for the weekend for hire unless I am registered with the FAA. Right. So it's very similar. Like the FAA just doesn't want you out with your DJI taking video or pictures of real estate uh, because you're more than likely going to be operating above people and businesses and traffic and everything else. But it's really driven by the commercial industry asking, what are the rules? What can we do? Because there's a lot of money waiting, Mm -hmm. you know, to be made once they figure that out. Um, Unfortunately, we're kind of classified in that limelight as well because of, of the rules or the proposed rules. And like you said, there's a, quite a few clubs that operate right around, you know, small general aviation aircraft mm-hmm. or a- airports uh, rather. Um, and even some commercial, there, there's the Bellevue field that's very Not that close off at Air Force yeah. Base. So, uh, you know, we've been operating safely for years and we intend to do that. Um, I guess if there's a, a light at the end of the tunnel or, or a positive outcome, um, I really believe and truly believe that uh, there's going to be a classification that's recognized as a, uh, an identification area area where only community based organizations can apply. So like we're a club community based, for example, Amazon or something would not be a community based organization. They wouldn't be able to just circle the whole area of Omaha and say, well, this is our area. Mm -hmm. They want um, the FAA is proposing that every uh, aircraft has what's called a remote ID. So, um, if you've ever flown DJI, uh, it's basically com- connected to the internet via your phone right. pretty much the whole time. So yep. if I take my DJI down to or near the airport at Epley or off it, it'll say this is a no fly zone unless I get authorization. So it's very similar to that, but imagine trying to do that with your you know, apprentice, for yeah. example. Yeah. So they're going to establish a few areas that the FAA deems are safe to just fly in, such as hopefully... Standing Bear Lake area, right. that's gonna be designated as a recognized identification area. And uh, you're gonna to have to fly your aircraft within visual sight and uh, you don't have to have those remote ID capabilities. It's very interesting, the, the part 107 that I obtained, mm-hmm. um, just on a tangent here, mm-hmm. I can be the actual uh, pilot in command of our small unmanned aerial systems. Okay, you can be the manipulator of the controls and then someone else can be a line of sight observer. Okay, so we could have three of us real close here. Mm. We could take our drone up and let's say we're going to deliver a package or we're going to survey some land. Right. We could have someone up the road a quarter mile or half mile and we can visually keep in touch with that aircraft. Mm. Then we can establish the person on the cell phone on the other end now has positive identification of that aircraft visually. Mm -hmm. And we can continue to fly that aircraft a quarter mile away, a half mile away. We can have a third or fourth visual person. So legally right now we can fly that aircraft kind of wherever we want, as long as we have observers. And as long as I'm the uh, pilot in command of that system. So it's very interesting how they've established those rules so far. Um, There are some things like not flying off of a moving vehicle and such that they've uh, they've established, but the rules right now are very vague and, and, uh, the airspace itself is uh, real complex, you know, yeah. you can't get into spots where, yeah, if the, you ever
0: saw a map of like, of, of like, um, from DJI of where you can fly and where you can't, there's little red circles just about everywhere.
1: Yes. Well, there's uh, temporary flight restrictions, uh, first of all. So right. like if the president or if there was a national emergency mm-hmm, or a f- mm-hmm. uh, forest fire or something of that nature, They just don't want people showing up. But if you have a remote control aircraft that doesn't have those capabilities right now, uh, as far as not permitting you to fly, you can fly those over those areas, unknowing that it's a temporary flight restriction. Right. Yes. So it gets pretty complex, but uh, we hope that our field up there is going to just be designated as a... I think the gist of the worry
0: from from everything I've read is they don't want... They don't want remote ID to be mandatory and everything sold, correct? Because that would really jack up the price and make it out of reach for regular people. Yeah, to be able to buy. I think that's the main one of the main points of the of the pushback from from at least the the RC air community.
1: Well, and and the reason why they're doing this is all sheer for safety and uh, yeah. and then commerce. What they're doing with the the big folks that want to do some stuff with seems this. like they want to free up some airspace. Well. The airspace, uh, system right now is relatively open, you know, as far as, unless you get into metropolitan areas, you know, even around here, it's classified, there's certain classifications to fly out of said Millard airport to Norfolk, for example, Mm -hmm. it's relatively easy airspace. You can legally take off from Millard, uh, via the FAA. It's legal to take off without even making a radio call and fly to Norfolk and not even make a radio call and land. Hmm. Because it's just a vast airspace. Cornfields. Yeah. So it gets gets pretty interesting. I don't think, you know, unless we're affected on a nationwide, you know, under the nationwide veil of the rule. Right. Our fields should be looked at if they look at them all individually, which I assume they will, as a safe place to fly. Particularly because we're up on the north end of town and you've got those huge towers up there and nobody Mm -hmm. really flies that direction anyway. Right. As far as general aviation.
0: What's coming up? For, for Hawks, what are we doing? Uh, season events and stuff. I know um, we usually get some flyers dropped off at the Plex. Yeah. So I think
1: uh, those are coming out hot off the press here soon. Nice. Right, right around March, uh, we start gearing up. Uh, April through September, which is six-month period, is really our high season. We got a couple things going in March, just the builds and, and a few meetings, getting ready to go. We're, we're starting the construction of a couple of those things up at the actual field. But most importantly, uh, starting in April, uh, every Thursday night, like we mentioned earlier, 6 uh, o'clock PM until dusk because it, you know, it's not, uh, yeah, you know, it gets dark pretty, pretty quick
0: right oh, now. But I'm so happy. Yeah. Next Sunday, we get some light back. Daylight savings. Daylight savings time.
1: Yeah. So Thursday nights, you got to come up, check us out so, if you haven't uh, so done so already.
0: And Thursday nights, I th- I think, I think I made it a point to schedule either Kip or I okay. to be out awesome. there. Awesome. Uh, so one of us is going to, we might alternate, but one of us is going to get off early on Thursdays to try to get over there.
1: That's amazing. So Perfect. for a
0: little while there, I was actually getting scheduled to be at Hawks field by 4 PM. Awesome. And I think this year it's going to be like 6 PM, but whatever. But I think, I think Kip and I are going to alternate on Thursdays.
1: You come out and we've got plenty of club members there that night, which is most important. Yeah. Cause if you want to come up, ask questions, um, that's going to be great that you guys are there on site because we can literally point to you guys and yeah. say, Hey, go check out the product down there. We've got our own clubs, you know, provided aircraft, just so you know, um, yep. the biggest thing we get is people stopping by and we ask them, Hey, you know, you want to take a spin on the plane? Oh, I don't want to crash your plane. No, no, no. It's, it's, you know, yeah. If, if we crash, it's on us. But And
0: I think, I think I, uh, so last year I failed miserably. I wanted to get out there a lot and I wasn't able to, uh, but this year for sure, I'm going to have uh, some YouTube videos and uh, my live feed, the Hobbyplex show after hours is usually nine o'clock on Thursdays. So I might, I might signal that I might even do that earlier. Maybe we can do some live feeds out there uh, at the field.
1: I think that'd be kind of cool. That would be really cool. So, yeah. Uh, we have, we have, a couple main events, so to speak, through the six-month season, and one of them is going to be on Saturday, May 30th, and it's like an intro to RC for the community, and uh, we call it the Take Off and grow. Uh, the Academy of Model Aeronautics actually kind of coined that term. It's mainly to take off and grow your club uh, on a local level. Last year we did it um, in good fashion, and we had great turnout, and uh, a lot of folks you know, we went over from kind of A to Z similar to like what we did here tonight, mm-hmm. which uh, was pretty neat. Our most popular event is the Labor Day air show, which is Monday, the 7th of September this year. It's free. We are really proud of that. Uh, we're the longest donator to the uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation in Nebraska. Last year, for example, you know, you come up there, it's free to get in. We sell lunch, hot dogs and chips and We take free will donations and we do a raffle of some prizes that are donated by the club members and, or, you know, hobby town or whoever. And last year we, we raised $4,000 for the, the make a wish, which was amazing. Yeah. And that's the one
0: where basically there's a, like a row of canopies all the way down to the tree line usually. And then everybody's got pretty much
1: every plane they, they own comes out. It's kind of like a car show. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, and uh it's just a lot of fun. I'm guessing you will see a couple hundred yeah aircraft.
0: And that's usually when um uh Dean's jet yes. gets up there. Dean flies the off
1: actual turbine engine jet plane. Yep. Uh which we let him fly that day. Yep. It's fun and Dean's an eighty some year old. He's also a mentionable mention yeah. member. And uh yeah, tons of aircraft, people and lots of fun. You know, it's just a, it's a great, you know, day. Yep. for Labor Day. So if you mark that off, you got nothing else going on. It's amazing. And I, you know, I always have Mondays off. That's why I get to go to that all the time. And then sprinkled in uh, amongst the rest of the six months. Um, and you can check our Omaha's Facebook page uh, or Omaha's website, yep. which it's is uh, omahawks.org. Correct. Yes. And uh, I think it's just facebook.com backslash omahawks. Yep. Um, you'll have our list of uh, events there as well. Um but we've got a pattern competition, which if you're unfamiliar with that, it's a precision flight mm-hmm. type venue and it's real popular, uh, you know, quite a few folks from multi-states. Yeah, a lot lots of different places come for that one. Monday nights this year, Monday nights from like dusk for an hour or so uh, after we're going to be doing night flying. Uh, we got a couple members that really got into putting LED lights on their planes and such, which is kind of a neat deal. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, float flies, we float fly off of the lake itself uh, early mornings, you know, eight, nine o'clock in the morning down at, by the dock. Uh, the old timers bring up their real old time stick build airplanes and they fly real slow and, and such. Those are just neat to come up, check out. Um, gliders, biplanes, quadcopter event, uh, and even combat, which we're going to do with those. Combat's
0: pretty fun. That's yeah. where you get... You cheap build some planes. You have a stringer attached to the back of it. And the goal is to cut the string off another plane. Did yeah. I get that right? Yep. Absolutely. So flight there's test. usually a lot of collisions. Yeah. We're going to go so. flight test this
1: year. Oh, nice. Really? Yeah. Ooh, I might even do that. So you're probably seeing. I I could build a flight test. up in, in your flight yeah. test uh, stuff. Great. Before and after. Get a Spitfire. That'd be cool. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh just general, general flying. General flying. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah.
0: So if you remember the, so this is yeah. what I do. Like Monday's, Monday's or my day off. So I'll be doing this, but then it'll be still be light out. Usually when I'm done, I think so. I'll probably have my plane with me and stop by there. I usually try to get in at least a couple of batteries, yeah. uh, towards the end of the night. Sometimes after work, if I get off early enough on the weekends, uh, we close at six. So there's usually not enough light in the middle of summer that I could get in a couple of packs there. But I mean, as long as you remember, yep. you can pretty much show up whenever you want. Yeah. And as long as nothing's going on,
1: a lot of folks ask me that are up there walking their dogs or or passing through. They say, "When do you guys fly?"
0: Well, or not to be too crass or anything, but I I have caught a woman in a bikini up there once, sunbathing.
1: <laughs> you had to end the, so, the Monday night show yeah, on that, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Well, any any time I, I tell people if you want to see us fly, if it's a summer evening about an hour or two before sundown, yep, um, you know the winds die down. Uh, it's gorgeous. And you can
0: always tell, like I live near Stamber Lake. So I always look off to see if I see a plane flying, you can usually spot a little black Mark yeah. doing some, you know, tricks or whatever. So
1: on well, fingers crossed, we have a member that actually built a uh, weather station that's transmitted over the airways hmm. and we're planning on putting that little uh, ticker or whatever on our website. So you'll be able to actually look and see oh, and yeah. we're working on if we're going to get cameras that actually, uh, um, transmit over our website. So we may That'd be, be able, able to see like yeah. a webcam if, if anybody's up there or not. Yep. Um, we'll kind of see how that goes, but, um, yeah, any evening that's, that's just gorgeous. Like they can be here. Uh, you know, we're more than likely you'll find a couple people up there. Sweet. Yeah. I think
0: we'll end it there. I think we got in a lot of information about the Omahawks. Um, uh, the hobby has been a proud supporter of that labor day show for a long time. Yeah. You know, we, we usually donate some product to that, to raffle off. And, uh, and we love having them. It's only 10 minutes away from the store. So it's really easy to go back and forth and, and, uh, promote that, that, that field. And you get to see all the guys that come into the store, buy stuff, are out there flying and everything. And yeah.
1: Yeah. It's well, a lot of fun. Our club is a lot of fun and we really appreciate you guys too. Cause, uh, the relationship we have and, and being able to come down there and grab stuff, it's just been, been yeah. great. So, yeah.
0: Cool. Well, um, so omahawks.org. Uh, org. Uh, and then on Facebook you can usually I think I found it just by typing in Omaha so it comes yeah. up in the search it's really easy yep. so uh, check it out and um, that's it for now so Luke Hughes thanks, thanks, thanks for, for having coming me. in yeah thanks um, for having um, me this was great I'm glad we were able to do this I'm Alex Sturgeon we're going to sign off this is a good show we had a really good show so thank you thank you